0: Guys, it's January now. It's January, and it's possible that things have been bad in the past, but today could be a new start. Uh, in, In January, this is our habit. Every January, we start new things. How many of you all have started a new fitness routine in the last seven days? Hey, anybody there with me? Anybody Anybody else, how many of you have started some other new habit, maybe a new nutrition plan, or maybe this will be the year that you work on your relationships, or maybe this will be the year that you get through your reading plan? All of my friends at the end of 2023 put all these posts about all the books that they read in 2023, and I saw every single one of them and thought, I do not measure up. I don't know if you were there or not. Maybe for you, it's just your TV backlog. There are so many good shows that have come out recently, and you need to catch up on those shows. But they keep piling up. A new year gives us the chance to take a fresh start, to to have a new beginning, to step off and make a clean break in so many areas, from our, our habits, to our friendships, to our relationships, and also to our faith. And so in 2024, we are encouraging you to take a fresh start when it comes to your faith. We're opening a new calendar year and we're beginning to look at what's next for us in our faith journeys. And as, as we take this step of a, a fresh start and as we, as we look at what's next, I've got a confession to make about my own faith journey. I just want to get you guys up to speed on where I am. I have the habit of treating my faith like it's a, a series of Boxes to check, right? Rather than a, a relationship with a, a living being, and so for me, I've got this whole checklist. You know, my faith checklist. Check number one: read the Bible every morning at seven thirty. Check. I've completed that. Next step: pray every morning. Check, and then pray at meal times. Check, and then pray before going to bed. Check, and then fast maybe periodically. I guess maybe I can check that one too. Attend a small group every week, check. Listen to a Christian podcast now and then, maybe when I'm working on projects on Saturday, check. Add more things to my checklist so I can be a better Christian, check. And the thing is, my resolutions so often involve checking those boxes better. And so if in 2023, I didn't read scripture as often or as frequently as I wanted to, well, then my resolution for this year is to find a more compelling reading plan and to do it every day. Anybody else there with me? We're going to check that box, right? And then maybe in 2023, I didn't pray as often as I wanted to. And Maybe I didn't serve as much or give as much as I I feel like I should have. And so I'm going to, in 2024, devise a way to check those boxes better. And so my faith becomes this checklist, and I will be a better Christian by doing better. And I just keep trying to do more and do more, but inevitably, for me, I'll miss a day. And I'm kind of a Jerry Seinfeld uh, don't break the chain kind of person. And so I've got to mark those X's on my calendar and I've got to check those boxes off. And if I miss a day, man, it derails everything. I suddenly feel like a failure. I feel like I'm not measuring up. And then I just kind of scrap the whole thing and maybe I'll look back at it later on, a month or two later, and feel guilty about how I'm behind. But the question we're asking ourselves with this new series is, what if? What if our faith were not about checking a series of boxes? What if our faith were less about doing more, and it was instead about something completely different? Well, that's a question we're going to dig into today, and so turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start at the very beginning of our faith story, Genesis 1, verse 26, and we'll go from there. In Genesis 1, 26, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the animals on the earth, the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So we're starting right here back at the beginning of recorded human history in an effort to better understand what it looks like to have a relationship with God. Is it this series of tasks? Is it this set of things that we need to do or is there something else and so we've got the creation of human beings here male and female both created in god's image and both given purpose as created beings and and as uh, as humans they're set to govern over all creation and then to participate in that creative activity that god has and you see this in genesis chapter 2 when god brings all the animals to adam and god has adam name each of these animals and there's almost this sense of anticipation or you can imagine wonder or even joy on God's part as he as he waits to see what Adam's going to call these animals as Adam gets to participate in this creative activity. Now God continued on in this story but as we all know things kind of went south and Genesis chapter 3 has the fall of human beings but there's this bittersweet moment That happens in Genesis chapter 3. I want to read it to you, verse 8. This is after humans have sinned and broken God's law. But there's something that's mentioned in verse 8 of of chapter 3. When the, the cool breezes, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And so they hid from the Lord God among the trees, and then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And then, you know, all the truth comes out. But just think about that setting real quick. Just think about that background. What was God doing? God was visiting his creation, apparently on a regular basis. God didn't just wind this thing up and set it off to run its course. No, God was there. He was active. He was present. And apparently he would walk with the man and the woman in the garden, and they would be there, and they would interact, and there would be communication and and face-to-face presence. God had their attention. Now, as we know, Genesis 3 is this pivotal moment when humans break God's law, and suddenly there's separation between God and and his people, and God's not okay with that, and so God immediately begins to work to to bring that separation closer, to bridge that divide, and the next kind of stage that you see this separation uh, remediation response take is, is found at the end of Exodus, If you'll turn with me to Exodus chapter 40 this morning, we read this back in the fall when we were in our series. Exodus 40, verse 34, the Israelites have been constructing something called the tabernacle. Verse 34 says this, then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle and Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and at night, fire glowed inside the cloud so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued through all their journey. Now, again, we talked about this in the fall how God had given these very specific instructions to the Israelites to make a tent. And then upon completion of this tent, how God's presence came down and filled this space, and God was suddenly dwelling with his people. He was there, present to them once again. Now, from the time of the Garden of Eden up till this point, God hadn't been inactive. He'd been there in human history. He had preserved Noah and his family. He had commissioned Abraham and made him a promise. And he'd even wrestled with Jacob, but now God was back. He was in the neighborhood. He would be present with his people. There was one kind of glaring problem, though. Even though God had moved into this camp, there was still a separation. There was still a divide. God's holiness limited how much people could be in his presence. Unlike in the garden where God could come and walk and his creation could walk with him, at this point with the tabernacle, there were boundaries and there was a whole system of ritual and sacrifice that would allow the people to live in God's camp, but even then, only the priests could go into the holy place, and then there was even one more spot of the part of the, the tabernacle, the most holy place, where only one priest could go at one point in the year, and only if he had done all of the things, there was still this separation. God had come back to be with his people, but there was still division Even though God was there in their camp, the Israelites often turned their attention away from Him. Even though God was present with His people, the Israelites were still struggling with sin and their sin made it too dangerous for them to be in God's presence. And so, as the years went by, this system of living kind of in the presence of God, but not quite fully, it was formalized as the tabernacle was replaced by a temple and Still, there was this divide between God and his people. And as you read the the rest of the Old Testament, you see that God, he continues to work. He's not satisfied with this division. But you also see that human beings are really good at going through the motions of religion while not having our hearts in it, while not keeping our attention on God. You know, the Israelites may have still been worshiping, sacrificing, and maintaining the law, but often their attention was... Outside, away from God. It was on the nations around them and on the material things of this world. They they might have been worshiping, right? But their hearts weren't in it. And I think the passage that sums this up the best is is found in the prophet Hosea. Just one tiny nugget in this story. Hosea 6, verse 6. God says this through his prophet. He says, I want you to show love, not offer love sacrifices. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. I'm going to read that again. I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. I want you to know me not, or more than I want, burnt offerings. You see, God wants to know and be known by his creation. God wanted their attention more than he wanted their activity. And this, in, in a nutshell, is, is the message of the book of Isaiah. It's a, it's a book that if you haven't read it before, or if you're not sure where you want to read, this could be a good one to pick up and read after church today. It's 14 chapters. It's not that long. And in it, you see, you see the emotion that God experiences as his people wander from him. Emotion that's equated to uh, a, a husband rescuing his wife from prostitution and then his wife continuing to wander into adultery over and over and over again and so this emotion that God has when the Israelites wander from him is just intense and there's anger and it's understandable but there are are also these moments in Hosea of, of intense tenderness and longing as God wants to be with his people and he wants their attention to be on him Look, ever since the beginning of human history, for reasons I don't fully understand, God has wanted to be with his people. From Adam and Eve in the garden, up through the prophets, through the Israelites, even to Jesus Christ, who was known as Emmanuel, God with us. God has been making these overtures. He's been extending the olive branch. He's been working to close that separation between us and him, showing up to be with us. And what he's looking for from us is this relationship. God is looking for our attention to be on Him. And while we can get all wrapped up in the activities of religion, we can try to read our Bibles better, and we can try to pray better, and we can try to focus on all these disciplines, which are objectively good things. The purpose of all of those activities is not to better ourselves or to to do these things as an end in and of themselves, the purpose of all of these things is to give our attention, our hearts, to the creator of the universe. And I believe that God wants your attention more than he wants your activity. You know, in, in any relationship there are things that you do. If it's marriage, if it's a romance, if it's a friendship, something else. You might call your brother up if you haven't seen him for a while and and catch up. You might, in the mornings, make the bed for your spouse to show them that you love them, and also because you're a grown adult, you should be making your bed at this point. I believe in you. You might give your friends presents at Christmas time. You might, if you just started uh, a relationship, a romance with somebody, you might drive to their, their work when it snows, like it almost snowed last night, and dust off their car to show them that you're, you're thinking about them. In any relationship, there are things you do, but the point of doing those things isn't to do those things. It's to show the person that you're thinking about them, that you love them, that you're for them, that you're present with them. No one makes a checklist to maintain a fresh friendship, at least that I know of. All right, uh, I've woken up today. My name is Walter, and I need to make sure I maintain my friendship. So at 8.30, I'm going to send a good morning text. Check. At 10 a.m., I should have been working, but I was... Finding funny memes, and so I'm going to send a funny meme. Check. At noon, I'm going to call them and tell them about things that are going on at work. Check. 4 p.m., I'm going to leave a voicemail and let them know uh, how my day went. Check. At 6.15 p.m., every single day, I have to get on Instagram and like their post. Check. 9 o'clock at night, hop online and play a couple rounds of Counter-Strike 2. Check. All right, I've achieved my friendship for the day. I can go to sleep and start all over again tomorrow. That's not how relationships work, right? At least not for anybody except for robots and AI, maybe. I don't know. No, relationships grow and become healthy when we are present with someone, when we give our attention to them. And you know, I think this is maybe why adults have trouble making deep and long-lasting friendships because the earlier The earlier years of our lives, when we're teenagers and young adults, are full of times when we can just be together in the same place at the same time, hanging out, doing nothing for extended periods of time. And you parents in the room know this. Ask your kids what they're doing when they're going to go out with their friends on a Friday night or whatever, and they'll be like, I don't know. We're just hanging out. Sheesh. Get off my back, parents. Being a Christian is surprisingly the same way. It's about time spent in God's presence. Our faith is a relationship. It's not a checklist. It's a state of being, not something you do. And so being a Jesus follower is about being in his presence. And while it's easy for us to boil our our faith down into a list of do's, and do-nots, and then feel good when we are doing the do's and and checking those things off, and feel bad when we are doing the do-nots, faith is a relationship. It's a relationship with a real person, the God of the entire universe. And so this week, what can you do to make sure that you're focusing on, on God himself and not on all the busyness? Well, I think it comes down to attention comes down to focusing our attention on God. Think back to a time when you felt deeply connected to God, when you felt really close to him. What caused that? When did it happen? Where did it happen? What was going on in your life at that point? In that moment when you felt that deep connection with God, what were you doing? If I had to guess, I would bet that it was a moment when you were reading scripture, when your eyes were focused on hearing from God through his word, through his spirit, when you were in a moment of worship, this moment when God had your complete and undivided attention. And so, if you're serious about making a fresh start in your faith in 2024, I think you need to figure out what's capturing your attention. When you sit down to read through that Bible plan that you've signed up for, 365 days through Scripture, I know from experience that it's easy to run my eyes over the text and have my mind be a million miles away. You probably have experienced that too. What's capturing your attention? If you're serious about making a fresh start in your faith journey and you want to have a better prayer life, I know from experience that I can sit down to pray and think, oh, I'm going to pray for a while and Start praying and then suddenly be thinking about my dog at home. Why? It's because I'm distracted. What's capturing your attention? When you sit down for your quiet time, when you're here in church and you're gathered with God's people, what are you thinking about? What projects, what's hopes, what dreams, what family members, what's capturing your attention? Understanding just what has your attention and just what is taking your attention away from God will help you identify the times You're starting to get distracted when you intend to spend some quality time with your creator and instead your mind is, is over here. Identifying those kinds of things, your triggers, if you will, will help you see when they're going to happen. And so maybe that means that for you to spend time with God and give him your attention, you need to find a different place. Maybe it needs to be quiet. Maybe it needs to be somewhere else. Maybe for you to give God your attention, it needs to not be a, a daunting 365 days in Scripture through the year, but it needs to be something more manageable, smaller goals that aren't so frightening, so you can slow down and actually process what you're reading. And maybe for you it is, you're going to read the Bible twice this year. I don't know what it is. It's less about the checklist, and it's more about where your attention is. Because God wants your attention more than he wants your activity Now, speaking of fresh starts this morning, we're going to get to witness and join together in worshiping God as, uh, as someone who's been joining with us. Her name is Izzy, uh, is going to take a step in faith today, and Wally is going to be up here and baptize her. So here's Izzy. This is Izzy. Uh, Izzy's been attending with us over the last uh, three, four months, and she reached out to me and said, you know, I need, I've been baptized, but I need a restart because I've lived a lot of life and um, I just need to do it. And so we're going to baptize Izzy today. So Izzy. I want to ask you to repeat after me. I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is Christ, Son of the Living God. Son of the Living God, and I take Him. And I take Him as my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. All right, let me have you turn that way. I promised her I wouldn't hit her head on the wall over here, so <laughs> if you want to plug your nose, uh, Izzy, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God, and what a way to begin the year. Hey, God's looking for a relationship with you, and I say this every once in a while, we've got a baptistry full of water, and today it just so happens to be warm, and so if you're someone that God's been working on your heart, and you're at the point where you're ready to repent, turn from your sins, turn to Jesus and make him the Lord of your life, well, I encourage you. We're going to sing in a few minutes and, uh, and spend some time worshiping God. You can find one of our elders around the back of the room at that point. I'll be back there. I would love to chat with you and see if maybe we need to put this baptistry to use a second time today. Now we're going to talk more about the implications of a fresh start and of God capturing our attention and holding it as we go. And I, I want you to know this, our series is, is three weeks long and we're heading somewhere specific. And also our church is heading somewhere specific this year. And so you're going to hear Wally talk a lot over the next few weeks about something he's calling, we're calling next. Next. What's next for us as a church? We believe that Jesus meets us all where we are, but that he doesn't leave us there. That God is always calling us to take a next step. And so in 2024, we're asking every family in our church, we're challenging every family to take steps to move closer to God and in doing so, to bring others with you. And we'll have some specific action steps that you can take. And You'll hear more about that coming up. But, but this week, I just, I'd encourage you to begin praying. Give God your attention, your focus, and begin praying. Ask God, God, what's next for me in my faith journey? What's next for me? Spend some time in prayer this week asking God to reveal that to you and, and then come back to church next week and be prepared for what we're going to talk about. Now as we wrap up this portion of our service, I want to read to you a passage that's becoming familiar around here. This is the third time we've read this in three or four weeks, Revelation chapter 21. We started at the beginning of Scripture today, and we're ending at the end, and so you can say you went through the whole Bible today when you leave church. (laughs) Revelation 21, verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. No matter how close you are to Jesus today, no matter how fully you experience the blessing of knowing his spirit, being filled with his spirit, you've got to admit there's still some boundary, some division between you and God. As part of this living in the already but not yet, that we talk about as being part of the kingdom of God. That Jesus ushered in this new kingdom, that we're living in it, but we haven't fully realized it yet. Well, Revelation looks forward to the day when we will fully realize that. And the the picture there is of God recreating everything, the new heavens and the new earth, and then God's city coming down from heaven so that God can dwell with his people once again. God will be right there in our midst, and there won't be this division that there was with the tabernacle. God will have our attention then, and I believe we'll have his attention too. And Revelation 21.4 tells us what that's going to look like when there's no more pain or sorrow, tears, sickness. The old things have gone, and the new things will have fully come. Between now and that day, you you and I can give our ambition our dreams, our energy, our activity, our attention to the God of the universe because I firmly believe that God wants your attention more than he wants your activity. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we are so thankful for your story. We're so thankful that you continually give us opportunities to Take a fresh start. God, we're thankful for the fresh start that that Izzy took this morning, that she has a chance now to to begin 2024 and to to begin it in your presence, knowing you and following you. Father, I'm thankful that you were not content with the separation that sin has uh, forced upon us in our relationship with you, and that instead... You made this plan through Jesus Christ so that we can be reunited with you, that we can live in your kingdom now, but that we can also look forward to when we will be with you in the new earth. Father, I pray that this week as we go from here that you would start working in our hearts, that you would bring to our minds ways in which we can take next steps toward you in 2024. God, I pray that you would help us give you our attention, that we wouldn't be so defined by what we do, but instead we would be defined by who you say we are. And Jesus, it's in your name that I pray these things. Amen. At this point, we get a chance to join together in worship. We sing here a couple songs and worship God. We We give back in our moment of generosity, and we also worship by sharing in the Lord's Supper today. So if you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to come join us at the table anytime during the next two songs. There are tables around the room. Again, this is our our first official Sunday as uh, one service, one church. And so, you know, things are maybe in a different place than you're used to, but you'll find your way there. The bread at those those tables, that represents Jesus' body that was broken for you and for me. And the, the juice represents his blood that was poured out so that you and I can be right with God. So that separation, that division between us and God can be overcome. So we invite you to come join us at the table. Join us with your family, with your friends, with your small group. Join us in worship of Jesus Christ. And now would you stand and sing.